Hey, everybody, it's Tommy Canale, and welcome to Before the Lights Podcast, the show on how they made their mark. Today, the story of James Sailor Ryan. He served in the Nevada Assembly for eight terms and on the Clark County Commission for one term. His political career was cut short when he was convicted of accepting bribes from an L.A. architect. He served in the Merchant Marines, where he earned the nickname of Sailor. Listeners, welcome to a new periodical format where yours truly, the host of Before the Lights, will be telling you the story as it has been researched. Today, as I said, is James Sailor Ryan. Before I start with the story, I want to do a special thank you to Justin and Carla Ryan. James Ryan is the grandfather of Justin, and Carla reached out to me as they found a leather satchel filled of information from newspaper articles, Supreme Court documents, and verified evidence that I was able to research, go through, talk to the family to bring you this fascinating story. You're going to love this, folks. Okay, here we go. James Saylor Ryan, date of birth says January 12th of 1912. The documents show he was born in Mina, Nevada. Well, that's not true. (laughs) The truth is, he was not even born James Ryan. His real name was Stanley Zawatsky. And depending on whose death certificate you looked at, on how it was actually spelled. On his mother's death certificate, it was spelled Z-A-W-A-T-S-K-I. But on his father's, it was spelled Z-A-W-A-T-S-K-I. S-K-Y. So already, we don't even know how the last name was spelled, but Stanley Zawatsky or Zawatsky, similar to that, was his real name. He was the baby of the family of four as his parents immigrated from Poland before the war, and they ended up in Youngstown, Ohio. Both of James Ryan's parents, or Stanley at this time, passed away in Ohio. He was placed in an orphanage around 12 years old and ran away around the age of 13 or 14, and he headed west. He was on his own and ended up in Montana for a while. He fought fires there and then eventually ended up in Idaho working on a ranch or ranches up in that area. It is believed that one of these ranchers had the last name of Ryan. Hence, he became James Ryan. He ended up in Southern Nevada as part of the Civilian Conservation Corps, the three C's, and he worked on the Hoover Dam. He also worked at a snack bar of his family's business here in Las Vegas called Bonanza Billards that was located at 2411 East Bonanza Road. James Ryan was also the financial secretary of the local 872 Labor's Union and he was a member of the Southern Nevada Independent Youth Athletic Association. He did a lot for the community and a lot for kids. He helped with getting lights at four Las Vegas City parks and assisted in numerous school children and college students to get them jobs. So right away, we're starting to see the effect that James Ryan had on his community. In 1954, He ran for lieutenant governor against cowboy actor Rex Bell, but lost by a wide margin. He then joined the Las Vegas Valley Water District in 1958. 
he had previously introduced the legislation that created the water district back in 1947 in the assembly. So he already has his fingerprint and his footprint heavily set in the desert here in Las Vegas with the Las Vegas Valley Water District. We're going to move forward. In 1962, Saylor won a seat on the Clark County Commission. Shortly after swearing in, folks, he caused controversy when he called for the firing of the entire county planning board due to incompetency. So his mind was already set on making a change when he got sworn in. June 1970, Ryan filed to run for governor. Dean Diamond Tooth Miller, you got to love that name, publisher of the Nevada Democrats stated in a newspaper, I predict that James Ryan is the man to beat in the Democratic primary race for governor. Well, unfortunately, those things didn't work out for James Ryan. Ryan was approached by a real estate broker, LA architect by the name of Miro Mazzara about rezoning a tract of land to allow for resident construction on a quarter acre instead of a half acre. James Ryan agreed, but there was no mention of any money at this point. Mazzara then attempted to get Ryan to approach the other commissioners, but he refused. Mazzara then on his own contacted the other four commissioners. Commissioner Broadbent contacted the attorney general and agreed to record all the conversations with Mazzara. Talks dissolved between Mazzara and Broadbent on May 16, 1972, as Broadbent said he was backing out of the deal. We're starting to see how this story is starting to unfold. Mazzara then has a second meeting with Ryan offers him $10,000 for his political campaign contribution. Mazzara then became a state agent on May 19th, 1972, after Ryan agreed to the deal. The vote was held three days later on May 22nd, in which Ryan did vote in favor, allowing the resident construction on a quarter acre Instead of a half. On May 23rd, 1972, at about 7 p.m., the very next day after the vote, Mr. Ryan spoke with attorney William Morse, who cautioned James Ryan that the attorney general was trying to, air quote, set up a commissioner over the rezoning matter. And James Ryan assumed that commissioner was himself. Saylor asked Mr. Morse what he should do if Mazzara offered him the money. William Morris advised James Ryan to take the money and turn it over to the district attorney. So that was the plan going forward. To make matters more complicated, Mazzara was given permission by the court for a telephone bug, but he went and placed a unauthorized coil device to record conversations in his car And on his phone, there were three illegal recorded phone conversations on May 19th between James Ryan and Meryl Mazzara. The telephone bug via the court order was only to the phone 
which these conversations were not on. Is it bad judgment? Probably. Because James Ryan admittedly said that he knew Mazzara was cooperating as he saw at least one bug in his car. As we stated, Ryan was informed twice now by Attorney General William Morris that Mazzara was being investigated by the Nevada Attorney General. The Nevada Attorney General and his agents had pressured Mazzara to, quote, nail Ryan. So they had it out for him. This is obviously politically motivated, as you're going to see here. Meryl Mazzara was told by agents that he himself would be nailed and go to jail for 10 years if he didn't cooperate. Mazzara, who was an indicted co-conspirator, a Czechoslovakian refugee that dealt with various medical illnesses, he was pressured into believing that his health would suffer in jail, which probably would. Miro Mazzara had two friends that were assisting him, Adrian Wilson and Bernard Zeldin, but he assured them they would be kept out of it. If he didn't get sufficient evidence against Ryan, he would be indicted, but they would not. Well, that turns out to be fabricated, as we're going to see. Once Ryan accepted the money, he was arrested before he could turn it over to the district attorney. How did this happen? Well, the agents were hiding in the trunk of Mazzara's car. You can't make this up, people. (laughs) As you have seen in movies and TV in the past, where you see those major headlines in big black block letters across the top of newspapers, that happened as a major headline in the Las Vegas Review Journal on January 17th, 1973. It read, Ryan Case may surface before Fed Grand Jury. He was indicted on April 27th, 1973, about four months later. There was an appendix from the court documents that state he did accept $8,000, which was later changed to the correct amount of $5,000, on March 2nd, 1979, but not till six years later did they change that amount. The grand jury refused and did not return an indictment. The jurors were called blue ribbon jurors, which for you listeners that don't understand that term, that is basically referred to jurors that were selected by the court to try cases of unusual complexity. In 1973, when he was indicted by the federal grand jury, Sailor Ryan alleged there was evidence of jury prejudice and misconduct, that they did not vote individually, but as a group. He contended violation of the government's Pettit policy, which was Pettit versus the United States of 1960, to prosecute him under federal law after three unsuccessful attempts under Nevada law. So he's already fighting and appealing his case. Ryan's attorney was Harry Claiborne, who later became a federal judge, was convicted of false tax return and removed from office years down the road. But that was Ryan's attorney. A year later, after 
the case in March 1974, Judge Foley first ordered Ryan, here come the two friends of Mazeras back into the case, developer Adrian Wilson and motel owner Bernard Zeldin to start serving prison terms after the U.S. Supreme Court refused their appeal. Wilson was given a $20,000 fine and 90-day sentence. Zeldin was given one year and one day in prison with a $20,000 fine. They were both found guilty of conspiracy and use of interstate facilities in the aid of racketeering. As Wilson gave Zeldin $10,000 to take from California to Nevada to give to Mazera, which was supposed to be given to Sailor Ryan. We know $5,000 got into his pocket, but the other $5,000 is unaccountable. We don't know what happened to it. Some interesting things about this case. In February of 1974, I have a letter that was by Myron Levitt sent to Commissioner James Sailor Ryan. And it reads, Dear Jim, enclosed, please find a couple of items for your information. Those items are not enclosed in the documents that we have, so we don't know what those are. He goes on to say, I enjoyed listening to the stories about early boxing in Las Vegas last night. Do you suppose the reason that the mayor stutters is because of the gunfight he told us about when he was a bartender? Question mark. Sincerely, Myron E. Levitt. P.S. For a phone call, and still to this day is a dime taped to this letter. And for you listeners who don't understand, why would he tape a dime to a piece of paper? Well, that's how much a phone call was to a payphone in 1974. There's also a letter from the president of the time of KVVU TV5, William Herdenstadt. He wrote a letter to Sailor Ryan that says, Dear Commissioner Ryan, enclosed is an expert from the television program Commentary, which aired May 24th, 1972. If you would like to make an appearance to speak on the subject and set your record, I would welcome you doing a guest commentary. From that commentary that aired on KVVU, which was entitled, Let's Recall James Sailor Ryan from County Commissioner. Here's a couple lines from that commentary. I am Bill Hernstadt, general manager of TV5, and I tell you, when I saw this morning's headline in the sun, I got really upset and think you as the public should be upset too. As far as the criminal indictment and conviction of this man goes, he has got to be presumed innocent until proven guilty. But as far as you, the voter, should be concerned, this man and all the county commissioners are powerful people. And in case you didn't realize it, the $23 million for the airport expansion is funneled through the county commission. There is also lots of room for them to get kickbacks, bribes, and things of this sort. They also hold the ultimate power on zoning in the unincorporated areas of Clark County, and that is where this charge arose from. This is like the tip of the iceberg. I mean, quite frankly, Mr. Ryan stinks. Everything about him has an aura of taint, 
And do you want to be represented by a person who has this aura? Going forward, after he's indicted, after the court case, two days after this court case, Sailor Ryan did not appear at the Southern Nevada Hospital Trustees meeting. He avoided this so there was no decision on his status to remove him from his position with the Nevada Hospital Trustees. He was convicted the Saturday prior to this meeting. Attorney General Robert List stated after the verdict was announced to the courtroom, this is a great day for Clout County. You can start to see that this was a setup. It was a sting. They had it out for James Ryan. They warned him out of there. It was politically motivated. A month later, Ronald Kine, the GM of Reynolds Electric and Engineering Company, came out with the quote, he's a tough, no-holds-barred champion for the union cause. So now we got both sides of the fence going at each other. At 61 years old, now in 1977, he had a five-year prison term suspended by federal judge Roger Foley, who sentenced him earlier for conviction of federal bribery charges, which was three years earlier after the petition from 400 people along with 128 letters supporting Ryan. The sentence was reduced to five years probation, the bribery of 5,000 in exchange for his vote to rezone 64 acres of land in Paradise Valley in 1972. On May 3rd of 1977, he was ordered to surrender to the United States Marshal by 12 p.m. 10 days later on May 13th, 1977. On July 17th of that year, USA versus James Ryan ordered a motion of a new trial that they filed on June 16th that was scheduled for October 31st, 1977 at 9.30 a.m. James Ryan was eventually given probation, which started on August 1978 and ended on December 9th, 1982. So throughout this entire case, after several times for an appeal, a new trial was filed. The original sentence was suspended to serve jail time, and he was given probation. At that time, there was a newspaper in the city of Las Vegas called the Valley Times. On July 30th of 1977, they published Ryan's salary at the time at $24,576. Now, in 1977, pretty good money. You look at it today, not so good money. He was considered Clark County's most powerful commissioner and one of the three most powerful men in Southern Nevada until 1972 when he was arrested in his driveway after the agents got out of Mazera's trunk when he had $5,000 in his pocket. It is my belief as your host that because he was so powerful and one of three most powerful men, people were out to get him. A politically motivated move to get him out of office, which they succeeded in. On August 5th, 1977, the Valley Times also 
published that the Executive Board Labor's Union upheld the order placed that Ryan once held the secretary, treasurer, and business manager's positions. He was removed from all three. The article states his loss was a death blow to the union troubled by finances and organizational drive, which James Ryan was excellent at. On March 2nd, 1979, the Supreme Court appeal was entered. The rehearing was denied a month later on April 25th, 1979. At 68 years of age in 1984, Saylor filed for a petition for pardon after completion of sentence to regain his right to vote. It is unknown if he reestablished this and was given his voting rights back. Sailor Ryan, he did not drink. And after he passed away, the family found cases of liquor in a coat closet. As back in those days, it was customary for someone to give a bottle of liquor as a thank you gesture. To show how powerful James Ryan was in the city of Las Vegas, one of the cases said to Sailor from Steve Wynn, who at the time was running the Golden Nugget and then became one of the biggest hotel mongols in the city after he started developing mega resorts, the first one in the Mirage. My personal thoughts on this is who else may have been involved in this that isn't mentioned that somehow slid through and whatever happened to Miro Mazera, we don't know those answers either. Not everybody agreed with the suspended sentence of Sailor Ryan. There were many letters to the readers or letters to the editors, you guys might know them. The Las Vegas Review Journal, some of the citizens disagreed with the outcome. Lolita West wrote, I'm in disgust of the suspended sentence. I want the petition against Judge Foley to be removed from office. The Ryan petition was approximately one-tenth of one percent or less of the population of Clark County. Another RJ viewpoint, no name on it, stated Ryan abused his position as an elected official. State Senator Democrat Joe Neal stated, the whole case against Ryan was politically motivated to get him out of the picture. I agree with Joe Neal. What do you think? Was James Ryan politically moved out of office? Was he set up? How did they get in touch with Miro Mazira? Many questions on what happened throughout this whole case, but fascinating events that took place back in the 70s and when Las Vegas was really starting to take shape of its own. I'd like to do a product review and a recommendation. If you've been listening to the show, you've heard of only three snack crisps. They're one of the most delicious, healthy chips available to snackers today. Spelt flour, sea salt, and spring water is all you'll find in these delicious 130-calorie treats. They have a new flavor, Italian herb, which is fantastic. Dip that in a little bit of olive oil. You're going to love Only Three Snack Crisps. And they also have the original flavor of sea salt. Go to onlythreesnacks.com. 
That's onlythreesnacks.com. And if I didn't tell you, they're vegan friendly too. So go get Only Three Snack Crisps. I can't recommend them enough. I hope you enjoyed this story. There'll be others as we go on down the road. But do me a favor and rate and review the show. Five stars, nice comments are always appreciated. And follow me on Instagram at Before the Lights Podcast. Thank you for listening to Before the Lights. I'm Tommy Canale. And until next time, everybody, a salute, a chin chin.